and welcome back to the Grindhouse Girls podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Katie. My co-host is Brittany, and this is a podcast about many strange and spooky movies. We cover a lot of independent movies and a lot of horror movies, and we do want to caution before starting the podcast that listener discretion is advised, and a lot of subject matter we cover is not appropriate for children and can be quite sensitive. So if that sounds like something that's up your alley, keep on listening. If not, thanks for stopping by and on to the podcast. Hey there, this is Katie. And hi there, I'm Brittany. And this is the Grindhouse Girls podcast, episode 70. 70. What? It's crazy. And right off the bat, I'm going to tell everyone... We are having, like, very weird sound issues. Usually we either record in person or over Skype where we can see each other. But for some reason, technology is trying to fail us. And so we can't see each other right now. So if we sound a little wonky, uh, please excuse us. Uh, For some reason, we haven't had sound issues until, like, the last month. So I don't know what's going on with technology. But it hasn't been our friend lately. But other than that, how are you doing this week, Britt? I'm okay. I'm okay. I can't complain. Um, how about you, Katie? How are you doing this week? Uh, I'm pretty stressed out, but, you know, it's life. Things things will hopefully not be so stressful, you know. I taught Gizmo how to lay down. Oh. So, very proud of him. He finally figured it out. And he even did it in front of my parents, even though he was really, really excited that's awesome. It was pretty cool. I guess I already went over the housekeeping because I was just like, oh, hey, sound is being weird this month. And that's just the theme for September. Um, but did you watch anything fun? Oh. Or was there anything from last week that you went to correct? I did. Uh, so I actually called um, Beanie Fieldstein, Bernie Fieldstein. So I'm so sorry, Beanie. Uh, oh. Yeah. So Beanie, um, as we, as I said last week, we uh, started watching American Crime Story Impeachment, uh-huh. and Beanie plays uh, Monica Lewinsky, and she is phenomenal mm-hmm. so far. There's only two episodes in, but I, I'm captivated by her performance, um, and I really like her. So yeah. So sorry, Beanie. Sorry, I mispronounced your first name. I need to learn to not read so fast. So that was the only correction I had on my oh. end. That's, I mean, at least you were only, like, one letter off. It could have been much worse, so. (laughs) Um, I like her. I haven't started watching Impeachment yet because, but I did keep up with American Horror Story. Nice. Last week, so. Yeah. um, I've watched. Yeah, did you watch the episode where it was, like, background for two characters? Yeah, I did, I did. And, you know, I, um, and why did I just blink on her name? I love her. I love her. She was in Six Feet Under. Who? Frances Conroy. Yes, I Frances love Conroy. Her. Yes, she's delightful. Yes, I love her. I liked the performance by Evan Peters. The musical performance was pretty hilarious, and I liked all the, I assume real drag queens that they had come on the show. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like Ryan Murphy, though. Okay, here's the thing. He has like how many shows out there right now? Because he does American Crime Story, American Horror Story, American Horror Stories. And did he did create Glee, right? He did create Glee. I think Glee was his first yeah. good show. Oh, didn't he do Nip Tuck? Wasn't he involved in Nip Tuck, too? That he might have done Nip Tuck. I'm not sure. All of his shows are kind of, like, seeping into another. Each- oh, and didn't he? He pose. He does yeah. pose, too, right? He did. Yeah, he does. So, 
which I like Pose, but I feel like all of his shows start bleeding into one another, which I guess is normal because it's one person who's touching all of these things. But I'm just like, I feel like this is all like going to just become like the same show at some point, which I don't know if it's a good thing or a bad thing. But I do like that there is an actress, the lady who plays the chemist but she was in pose as well angelica ross that is not not angelina it's angelica ross and she's also she's like a a computer programmer who became the founder of trans tech social which is like a firm that helps employ transgender people in the tech industry which is really cool yeah anyways uh and macaulay culkin shows up again in american horror story um did you watch, um, so something not like American Horror Story that I watched, have you seen Virgin River yet? I haven't heard people talk about it, though. So, I started watching it because, like, all the, all the slightly, not older, but slightly older than me ladies at work was like, oh my god, I'm Virgin River, so-and-so's baby, and blah, 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 blah. Do you remember the, 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 the sexy maid, Francis Conroy's alter ego in season yes. one of American Horror Story? That is the main character, and she's great. And then they have Otter from Animal House playing this old cratchety doctor, which is weird. Um, and Annette O'Toole is playing, like, the f- mayor of the town. It's cute. It's, like, it's not, like, uh, the best show. But it's, like, if you want something that's kind of soap opera-y, because, like, she's a nurse in a small town. So if you kind of liked Gilmore Girls and Grey's Anatomy and, like, one of those Mountain Men shows... Like, that's the kind of, like, stuff I'm seeing. Is like, everybody's, like, very small town in, like, the middle of nowhere. And there's always a medical emergency. It's okay. Was there anything else you watched this weekend? Yeah, I uh, I did. So I watched three things. So I watched four four things, but Ooh. I'll leave I'll leave one out. Um, so I um, I was watching Captain America, the Winter Soldier. Um, which is the second of Captain yes. America movies. I watched Ant-Man for the first time uh, and really liked it. How was it? Yeah, I, I really, really liked it. Paul Lu- Paul Rudd is very likable anyway, uh, but I, I'm surprised mm-hmm. at how much I enjoyed the movie. I got pretty immersed in it, actually, which is really nice. Um, and last but certainly not least, uh, so I've been wanting to watch this because it premiered on September 1st, and I waited, and finally, mm-hmm. uh, my husband was at a football game on Saturday, so I was like, you know what, Riley? Riley is one of my three dogs. I said, we're going to finally watch Doug Days. <laughs> uh, so we watched Doug Days on Disney+, Plus, and I love Up, and I this love... Doug Days? A Doug Days, it is a... Oh, from Up! Yes. Okay, yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's... it's um. So it's very short. It's five episodes. They're all like eight to 13 minutes each. But it follows Doug, the dog from <laughs> Up, and him adjusting to right. new life uh, with his new owner, uh, Carl, from Up. And um, and Aww. it is adorable. And there's a moment in the first episode where he calls Carl Papa. And Carl kind of is like, ah. Aww. And he's like, because you're like a father to me. And the rest of the series, the rest of the first season, he calls him Papa. He's like, Papa. And he's like, can I Aww. help you? And it's it melts my heart because my um, 
Katie knows, my dog Mabel is very much a human trapped in a dog's body, but my dog Riley is a hundred percent dog, and he a lot of Doug's mm-hmm. mannerisms remind me of Riley's mannerisms. So my heart just melts because now yeah. no I'll, thoughts, yeah. just vibes. Yeah, no thoughts, just vibe. I've always loved Doug, but now I like I love him even more because he reminds me of my pup. So yeah. What else did you watch? Anything uh, else? Super no, fun no, that or that, new or? that was pretty much it between that and the movie this week. Okay, so like I did watch a few things. Speaking of Disney Plus, I finally saw that Pepper Ann, which was one of my oh, favorite cartoons yeah. as a kid, is on Disney Plus, and I love Pepper Ann. Um, if I could find the pattern for her skirt, I would do a cosplay of Pepper Ann because I could rollerblade around, and it would be really fun. Um, so I watched a couple episodes of that, um, and then I watched, um, What a Stranger Calls, the original one, and I really, really, really loved it, and I love it because, have you seen the original What a Stranger Calls? I think, I think I did, but it's been literally years ago, and when I did, I was very young, so I don't remember a lot from it. It's, it's really interesting because, like, everyone knows, like, the, you know, the story of, the babysitter you know and the guy calls and the calls coming from inside the house and all that stuff well so i was under the impression that the whole movie was gonna just be that but no like the first third of the movie is that and it comes to a conclusion and then there's this whole middle part that's like a chase like a cat and mouse game between a detective and the perpetrator of the beginning and then the last third of the movie is that character carol kane's character as an adult grown up with children of her own and she starts getting phone calls again like so it it comes full circle so but i really liked it and carol kane is just like she's so funny like she recently i think probably the thing people know her for now is the unbreakable kimmy schmidt she plays the crazy landlady Um, but she also has been in recently which she made me ball my eyes out because she was in um shit um the nazi hunting hunters i was like nazi killing nazi hunting uh the uh hunters she played a character in hunters and she had a really really great episode where i just bawled my eyes out um about what was going on with her character so she's just one of those people that she can be so funny and so serious speaking of like this isn't what we watched but did you hear that norm mcdonald i did i did and you know i I thought it was uh, a joke i'm not saying it's the best movie in the world but i loved dr doolittle when i was a kid and i loved lucky the dog (laughs) i i watched i watched that movie a lot as a kid too the eddie murphy version yes yes i norm mcdonald like always came into like my favorite shows he of course also guest voiced on uh the fairy godparents several times oh yeah um and he would show up time to time in my favorite tv shows and like it's just so sad he was like privately fighting cancer for like 10 years and he never like told anyone about it and so like i honestly thought it was a joke because i thought of all people norm mcdonald would be the person to joke like i died just kidding but i was like oh no it's not a fucking joke shit that made me really sad. Yeah. Um, so between that and um, last week's loss, I'm just like, ah, it's been a rough week for our favorite actors. But um, thank you, Norm MacDonald, for making us laugh. Um, but other than that, I also saw that Drag Me to Hell is finally streaming again. Oh, nice. So I watched that. Um, and I really liked it. It was really, really funny. And... 
you, funny, you but bitch. also like, yeah, also fucking insane. And I was like, I mean, if you've seen it, you know. If not, close your ears for a couple seconds. But the ending is like so interesting because like I hate it for that character. But it was like a perfect ending for that movie. It was so crazy and so sad, but also very funny. And just what the fuck just happened that it was perfect. So wouldn't expect anything less from Sam Raimi. I know. Um, but it was great. And it's just like funny enough. I feel like they, they didn't really like play up the humor and the commercials like in the trailers. So I was glad to see some Sam Raimi comedy because it was very similar to like Evil Dead 2 where there was like silly stuff but genuinely creepy things too. And also it was just like one of those situations like how the fuck did I get myself into this fucking situation? Right? But I, I, I like it. It's I, I like car comedy so that's where I was like it's a good one. Yeah, me it's too. It's been a hot minute since I've seen yeah. it but I remember really liking it. Yeah, I I'd never actually gotten to see it. I knew about it, and it, but it's just like every time I've wanted to watch it, it wasn't it wasn't streaming, and I was just like, oh, okay, I guess I'll watch it another time. And but yeah, I I liked it. It was really well done and a good blend of horror and comedy. But what else would you expect from Sam Raimi? Which, by the way, Evil Dead's like got a huge anniversary coming up, and they're re-releasing a bunch of stuff, which is super cool. Anyways, I guess we should get to our movie, which um, I think I started off the gun too much with my hair. Sounds um, not going to be great this week, but um, we are doing a movie this week still, guys. If you're ready for me to introduce it, Katie, we are doing the 2020 film Spontaneous. Also, what I like to call it, uh, Combustion. That's not his name, (laughs) but I do like to repetitively call it it, Combustion. But the movie is named Spontaneous. It is currently streaming on Hulu. And I was the one who actually picked this movie for the week. I really like it, and I know we'll get into more of details about it. Um, But I can go ahead and give a little bit of a background on this movie. Um, So it was actually written and directed by Brian Duffield. Uh, Brian Duffield, this is mm-hmm. actually his uh, directorial debut. However, um, you guys may have seen a couple movies that he wrote the screenplay for. Uh, so he wrote The Babysitter, uh, which has been on Netflix for a while. I know a lot of people really, really like that movie. He wrote Underwater, which is the newer one Kristen Stewart was in. Uh, and he wrote the film mm-hmm. Jane Got a Gun, which Katie probably read this too. Uh-huh. It was a blacklist script, and I didn't know what that meant. Um, uh-huh. But what it means is that it was the most one of the most like screenplays that year that had not yet been produced. So that's a really cool honor when it's like, hey, people love your script. It's just the right company hasn't picked it up yet. Um, mm-hmm. He also conceived the story and wrote the screenplay for Love and Monsters. And Love and Monsters, if I read the article right, premiered the same week as this movie did last year. So I thought that was cool that he had a movie he wrote and direct pr- premiere as well as Love and Monsters. Um, he will also be producing the Elizabeth Banks-directed movie Cocaine Bear, which is supposed to come out next year. So he's going to be producing as of next yeah. year. Yeah. Which is, thank you, My Favorite Murder, for making that story more well-known because I just love that it went from, like, just a story to something My Favorite Murder joked about to, like, hey, we're making a Hollywood movie about Cocaine Bear. Yeah. Like, what the hell even is life? It's really interesting that someone decided to direct a movie about Cocaine Bear, too. I'm like, how do you wake up one day and go, I'm going to direct a movie about this poor bear that ate a shit ton of cocaine and died from it? 
Um, but that's that's <laughs> I what mean, it's, it's, it's a good story to tell. Yeah. Don't drop your drugs just anywhere. You never know where there's an innocent animal that will definitely snort that cocaine and eat it and be really, really high. And that's not good for a cocaine bear. Yeah. Also, this movie is apparently based on a novel, by the way. The movie uh, Spontaneous by Aaron Starmer. Mm-hmm. But I, I, is it like is it like a young adult book? Like I, a YA book? I think it is supposed to be a young adult book. And so I actually... Okay. Um, so you probably saw this, Katie. So he wrote... Um, I wasn't familiar with any of his other books, but I, I did write them down. So he wrote Dweeb, uh, The Only Ones, and The Riverman Trilogy. So he wrote a trilogy... But I was reading. I wasn't able to get my hands on Spontaneous the book. But I read. I think it, I, I forgot to write down the website. But I think it was a Christian parents website that actually read the book. It was telling. Oh like, no! Yeah, was telling about different things in the book. And uh, I will say, I haven't read the book, but there are some changes in the movie that I think I actually like uh, better than what was in the book. So. I guess we'll get into that, too. But, yeah, I wish I could have got my hands on it. And But the thing is, is that the movie, I wouldn't say it's completely aimed at teenagers, but I think that's definitely more the demographic uh, for it. Oh, I think it is. Yeah. This was very... I will say, I did not love this movie. I didn't actually want to watch this. I didn't watch it a second time because I just, like, didn't really want to. I thought I got what I was going to get out of it the first time. Um, but for a, I would call this a young adult rom-com with a science fiction twist this movie there's like some there's like a sci-fi and gore but i wouldn't call it really a horror film but i will say for that genre it's probably the best one of those movies i've seen in a very long time which is not to say like i don't like any of the those genres because i watched a lot i watched the first few seasons of riverdale and 13 reasons why um, and I enjoyed them and uh, the Chilling Adventures of Sabrina. Like, all of those, I think, fall in about the same category as this movie, where it's, like, not too babyish for teens, but it's not crazy adult. It's, like, a more realistic teen dramedy kind yeah. of thing. But I feel like this was the best one I've seen in a really long time because... I wasn't rolling my eyes at it. And I actually think the performances were really great. Yeah. Um, it just, like, it wasn't, like, my cup of tea. But I don't think, I think it's, like, if you want something that's, like, got a little bit of gore and a little bit of romance and a little bit of, like, sci-fi what-if, I think this is a great movie to watch. And I think it's, like, it's a nice light watch. Although there's a lot of heavy subject matter in it. Yeah. But I find that interesting because of the two main characters have been in much heavier um, subjects because Catherine Langford was Hannah in 13 Reasons Why mm-hmm. as well as a lot of other stuff but and then Charlie Plummer was in the Clove Hitch Killer yeah which is an extremely heart-wrenching and like horrific movie about a boy that, uh Charlie Plummer who thinks his dad might be a serial killer in his small town and how he tries to figure out with another child if it's his dad or if it's somebody else um if you don't watch that it's a great movie but when it comes to this movie, I liked it, but I don't think I'm the audience it's aimed for. Yeah. Like, I, I do, I did think it was, like, a good watch. I didn't feel like I was wasting my time watching it. I just don't think it, it didn't really hook me. But it was cute. It was cute. I liked it. Yeah. But. And I, 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 I really, really liked watch. it. Now, these type of movies, though, I love <laughs> these kind of movies, because even though I'm in my 30s now, um, these are the kind of movies I would have adored as a teenager. 
And I think of Catherine Langford as very much a Cat Dennings type. Like, I feel like if Nick and Nora's Infinite Playlist came out now versus, like, 12 years ago, she could be Nora in Nick and Nora's Infinite Playlist. And I think I gravitate towards those kind of characters. Um, I think this young woman has a lot of star power. I mean, it's very, very obvious anyway because, I mean, they've, they already cast her in the lead, of course, um, has 13 reasons why, but she's in, I mean, she's, fuck, she's in Knives Out. Knives Out had a huge cast. I know. Yeah, and that's really impressive. In Love, Simon, which I haven't watched yet, but I heard is kind of around the same thing. Like, it's a teen dramedy, but it had a lot to say. Yeah, I I, I won't say that these are my favorite kind of movies, because they are not. Um, it, A lot of my favorite movies that may be kind of more teen comedies, they usually have something quirky about them or they have something mm-hmm. unusual so this yeah it has the taperings of a teen romance story but then there's also people exploding um and i feel yeah. like that's very relevant to uh, so we're gonna get really fucking deep on the podcast for a minute so i thought this movie had a very clever metaphor for what teenagers are going through at this time in their life which is a lot of uncertainty um, and especially death. Yeah. And I, I hate I hate to say mm-hmm. it, it's very, very dark, but I mean when I was a teenager I had a I had a few different classmates that passed away. Um, most of them in car wrecks. And I think that when you think about that way, the the spontaneous combustions could be a metaphor for anything going on in a teenager's life. So it's like this really quirky kind yeah. of device they use in the movie but when you take it out of context you're like wow this could really apply to anything um and i think that's what makes it really relevant too and i think that's what makes it so likable to me um and i guess we'll Mm -hmm. get in deeper into the story too um but i actually did cry at this one i will say Oh really? Mm-hmm. I it didn't it didn't touch me that deep. Probably not the part honestly. Probably not the part you think I cried at. But I did cry. Okay. Yeah, and we'll get I know we'll get to it. But <laughs> But it's fine. Yeah. Um Yeah, I do think it's weird cuz I know this book was probably written way before the panorama last year. Mm-hmm. But in this year still, <laughs> but I feel like it was pretty relevant because I was like, yeah, this is kind of what happens when, like, crazy stuff happens like this. Yeah. Uh, It wasn't so far out of the realm of possibilities. Like, except for people exploding. That probably wouldn't happen. But, like, someone, like, a, a, a isolated group of people getting a deadly disease and they isolate them all was, it seemed pretty realistic, like, to how the situation would be handled. In most cases, there were a couple things that I was like, mm, that doesn't uh, fly. But mostly it was pretty, like, I feel like it was, like, for, like, I was like, how did they know, like, that all these teens would be going through this isolation? And it's yeah. so lonely to be isolated like that. Even if you're isolated in a group, it's still lonely. So, yeah, I thought it was weird that the movie came out in 2020, but it was probably filmed much earlier than that. So Yeah, it was. It was. Interesting. So I was reading an interview with Brian Duffield, and he said it was kind of eerie in a way because they had filmed all of this before the pandemic. And he's like, and then it was released during the height of the pandemic. I mean, arguably, we're still in the height yeah. of the pandemic. But he's like, there's all these things about the CDC mm. and stuff. And he goes, and now I look back and I'm like, well, that's wrong. That's wrong. That's wrong. But he's like, it's still, <laughs> yeah, he's like, it's still really 
interesting. And he said it, it felt like it became even more relevant just because there is that isolation and them taking the teens. And yeah. I, I guess not being able to do the things you love in the same way because their their lives are literally yeah. turned upside down, which is, I don't know. But also, I think it made it work because the main message, and I don't think this is spoiling a whole lot of stuff, but the main message is live life while you have it. Yeah. And don't be afraid to take, you know, safe risks. Like, don't jump off a cliff. But, you know, like, if you like somebody, don't be afraid to go that extra step and just tell them, you know, because you never know what could happen. And there's nothing worse than, uh, you know, a desire untested, you know. Yeah. Whether it's love or I want to try to be a tightrope walker. Like, if you never tried, you'll never know. And so I thought that was like it's a nice message. I think it's because it it's a little dark, but it's got a pretty hopeful message. I think most teens would be fine watching this. I don't think it would like disturb any teens, you know, like thirteen reasons why you have to yeah. tread carefully. Yeah. Because there are parts that the message is confusing and there are parts that it's really clear and Again, I stopped watching after two seasons because it was, like, it was walking far away from where it started. And I was like, I don't really just want to watch a teen drama. I want to watch this single story unfold because I found it interesting. Yeah. Um, But this may be, like, at least, like, even though they they got dark, they, like, kept it hopeful enough that it was like, yeah, life sucks. But, you know, you just got to keep on keeping on. And that sounds like a terrible thing to say, but that's kind of just life. Yeah. And it's okay. And that's what I read. I read someone said that this movie, they were like, be warned, this movie glorifies death. And I don't feel that way because Ah, I I think it's arguable with 13 Reasons Why that it does kind of glorify because it's like, oh, oh, we treated Hannah so bad. And it's not as simple as that, but in the lamest terms, it is. Right. Um, There's a couple episodes where I was like, are we glorifying this? Because I don't think we should. Exactly. And then, like, the next episode, it would be different. But I can see a young mind seeing that and being like, oh, see? Yeah. You know? Exactly. It's dangerous sometimes. And this movie doesn't that's that. why it's parents' jobs to do that. Yeah. yeah, I don't think this this movie like to me is totally appropriate for teenagers. Probably not younger than teenagers because it's pretty gory. But I think most teens would be fine watching this movie and would understand it and understand the message. It's pretty. It's pretty clear. It's not. It doesn't give you a lot of things to think about. Because it pretty much just tells you the message. Because there is an inner monologue the whole time. Yeah, exactly. But I think it serves this movie well. They do it interestingly, too. Because sometimes they switch who's doing the inner monologue. And they'll, like, switch and do, like... Like, they do an interesting thing with showing, like, backstory stuff. So, it's interesting. Yeah. So, I recommend it if, like... If you want something a little dark, but not too crazy dark. Yes. I think this is a great choice are you we ready to get into spoilers i am i am i will say real quick so very i'll make it very Mm -hmm. quick and very fun uh so scientifically because i always heard of spontaneous (laughs) human combustions and i'm just like is this a legit thing my understanding is that there's never been one caught on film and that it's not really something they like it's not really something that we know happens is that what people think can happen and usually this idea of spontaneous combustion is from the victorian era and i thought it was really interesting Mm -hmm. because 
as we know, the Victorian era was a very interesting time for uh, time for science. Uh, let's be mm-hmm. real; they fought um, they fought masturbation, but only done when by a doctor. Only when done by a doctor could kill, f- cure right. female hysteria. So, anyway, mm-hmm. uh, but they often fought alcoholism led to spontaneous human combustion. So they're like, don't drink a lot of alcohol. And people that were victims of what they thought were spontaneous combustion were usually elderly women who were alcoholics. I just thought that was really sad, but also kind of hysterical. Well, and also, I thought this was interesting because the general spontaneous combustion is always, like, people catching fire. Yeah. But this movie, they just explode. So I was like, I was like, okay, that's different. That's not really what spontaneous combustion is in the lexicon um, but I guess, like, they're just like, oh, it's spontaneous explosion. It's just spontaneous. Yeah. Um, I mean, I guess, honestly, they could have probably just had people just drop dead spontaneously with no explanation and have the same plot line. It just wouldn't have been as gory or as, like, interesting. But with that, I guess I'm gonna let you start a bit, Britt, but we're gonna, um, get into synopsis and spoilers and, uh, all that stuff, right? Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, so, again, we are doing the movie Spontaneous. Again, it's on Hulu. Um, Mara Carlisle is just another senior in high school in a small suburban town. That is until her classmates start exploding. Along with her best friend, Tess, and her new love interest, Dylan, the teenagers start to realize that when tomorrow isn't promised, it may be best to just be a little spontaneous. Ha! Huh? Oh, that's cute. Yeah. I like that. So, um, but yes, we will go ahead, we will get into spontaneous. So, three, two, one, you guys are officially in spoiler Spoilers. territory. If you don't want to be here, please no. skip ahead or watch spontaneous on Hulu or Paramount+. Plus. Um, and then check back. And then check back. Um, so... Basically, the movie opens up, and uh, Mara is sitting in, I think, calculus class, when the girl in front of her just explodes. Mara, mm-hmm. Mara looks away for a second, she looks back, the girl's gone. Um, and her name was yeah. Caitlin Ogden, they describe her as cute and airy. And so afterwards, um, because it's complete fucking chaos, as you would imagine when someone explodes, the whole uh, class is uh-huh. taken to the police station, and... Um, I think this scene is really, really cute because they're talking about what it was like and who saw it. And, of course, Mara hadn't seen it. She looked away. And there's a guy who we'll learn more about later. But he compares uh, it to a Cronenberg movie. I'm like, oh, right there. Like, <laughs> how could you uh-huh. not like it? Yeah. Yeah. So Mara realizes very quickly that the police contained them to make sure it didn't happen again. So Mara's kind of a little bit smarter, a little bit more wittier. And she's like, yeah, the reason they're containing us is because they have suspicions it will happen again. Um, yeah. But our parents pick her up, and I like it. They seem supportive. I really like her parents in this movie. Um, and she, yeah. yeah, which her parents are played by Ron Hubble, who does a lot of voice work. He's been on Bob's Burgers, Big Mouth, Children's Hospital, which is not a cartoon, and The League, um, who plays Mara's dad. And this was so funny. Uh, Piper Parabo, who's the girl from Coyote Ugly. Um, but she's also been doing other stuff. I just didn't realize she was in The Prestige, she was in Looper, and she was most recently in the newest um, Penny Dreadful series, City of Angels. Ah. And her mom's name is Angela. Her dad's name is Charlie. Because um, we already mentioned Catherine Langford plays Mara, and Dylan is played by Charlie Plummer. I also love that Tess is her best friend, played by Haley Law, because Haley Law plays Valerie on Riverside, Riverdale. Mm-hmm. Riverside. Uh, and she honestly is like one of 
the better actors on that show. And so I was like, I'm glad she's getting roles. Oh, this is nice to see her. And I think she's a very, like, nice best friend. Like, a very, like, supportive best friend. So Mara has a good support system with her parents and her best friend. Yeah, and I, I do like that, too. And uh, and Tess is a really cool character. I really like Tess in this movie. Uh, but Mara goes up to her room. Uh, she's smoking some pot. And she gets a text from an unknown caller saying that they have a crush on her. And she's like, please don't send me a dick pic. And he, they sent a picture <laughs> of, of Richard Nixon. And then they were like, Richard sorry, Nixon. it's crooked. <laughs> and I'm yeah, so it's pretty good. I love it. I I was no, I'm still not that clever, so I thought it was funny. I would be amused by it too. Um, but I'm always like, are teenagers really this clever, or was I just not that clever as a teenager? I don't know. So, <laughs> man, I I don't know either. But I do feel like there's a lot of um, there's a lot of like we're super cool teens kind of going on, like. That's maybe why, like, I'm like, I like these characters, but I'm like, does a teenager really, are they really that smooth? Because I feel like they were not that smooth when we were kids. No. I feel like this is an adult yeah. writing this. But it's cute. Um, and uh, it's, But it's kind of sad because they go to Caitlyn's funeral, and this one guy keeps going like, oh, I was going to ask her to prom. And then it escalates to like, we were going to prom together. I'm like, oh, of course. Um, but, like, Caitlin's, uh, dad is, like, removing the little, like, people, like, the family stickers, and Tess is like, I always wondered what happened when, to, when, you know, someone dies, and I'm like, me too, you always wondered that too, and, like, it just kind of bums Mara out, as it would anybody, um, and she goes to the local drug dealing twins, Jenna and Joe, played by Leanne McNeil and Clive Holloway. They're pretty funny, actually. Yeah. I don't really know what else they've been in, but I thought they were, they were hilarious. Um, and, like, her, she decides to take mushrooms for the first time ever in their favorite diner spot, and she and Tess are just hanging out, and, like, she just, like, puts these mushrooms in hot water and I feel like you're either supposed to drink it as a tea, like steep it, or you're supposed to eat them. I didn't know. I don't think you could like eat them in a tea, like. But she just kind of like swallows them whole with a tea, and uh, Dylan comes up to her, and he admits he was the anonymous dick pic sender, and Mara's starting to like trip, and so she's like, "Oh my god." And Tess is just kind of, like, making fun of her. And she's like, come to the bathroom with me. And he's like, what? And Tess is like, oh, she just wants you to hold her hair back while she pukes. And she does. Um, She starts puking her guts out. And they do this interesting thing where, like, every time she throws up, they change scenery. So you can tell that they're spending, like, a lot of... They're going to a lot of different places throughout the evening and spending a lot of time together. Um, because she's disoriented because she's high and, um, it kind of switches to Dylan kind of telling her why he had a crush on her for such a long time and how, like, he, like, saw her in class and she said something funny and then she punched a, like, she punched a guy in the face or she didn't punch him in the face, but somebody, like, tried to put his arm around her and she, like, uh, threw a drink on him or something and then, like, he finally, like, gave her his number and she never called him and so like and he's like it just never seemed like the right timing and then like when you said the thing about it might happen again i was just like huh why the fuck not why wouldn't i tell her i might as well try um even if i only have a limited time and that's what i like it's kind of nice he says i may be wasting my entire life on a year that never comes and i'm like yeah that's really fucking sad when you think about it because 
uh, not to go down the rabbit hole, but yeah, when you think about it, you're always looking forward to the next thing, not knowing, like, you know, and I guess it puts it in perspective, but I, I really, really like that part, and he, so he does get out the courage to essentially ask her the homecoming, um, and you also find out that there's yeah. a rumor that his dad died by a bunch of shit falling on him, and that's not true, it was, his dad <sighs> had a heart attack. Um, which is... He just happened to be a farmer. Yeah, he happened yeah. to be a farmer. And that's what Mara's like, well, shit, I gotta go to homecoming with you now. Yeah. Yeah, and so they go to homecoming together, and uh, there's this cute moment where the football players line up, and it spells out, like, we love Cox. And they're kind of talking, yeah. and they're having this really cute moment. And then one of the guys explodes. So the second combustion yeah. happens. What I like about it is that they they do memorize the teenagers, but only for a brief second. So she, it's almost like the teen, yeah. they're not her friends; they're her classmates. And even though they're not her close friends, she still recognizes the good in them. So she's like, "Perry Love was yeah. like air conditioning, and then he was news." But this news sparks off like this thing where these conservatives are calling it like I don't want to say conservatives. I guess like um, what's the word I'm looking for, Katie? Like, Westboro Baptist Church kind of people. Thank you, yes. Like, protesters. Yes. And so they start to call this the COVID-10 curse. And I love this. So they're having a memorial service for Perry. And his football team is up there. And they're like, when our bro came out as gay, we were super supportive. And Mara's like, I didn't know he was gay. And Tess is like, really? And so it it feels like it brings, even though sad things that happen, they do try to bring, like, a real, I guess, levity to these scenes which does which yeah. doesn't make it completely bogged down so you're not just that scene yeah. annoyed me though because then they were like they did something really stupid right after that and i was just like oh but they're cringe i cringe they're teenage boys though and i i, I guess it's like not i know you remember teenage boys being stupid but also like living with a teenage boy it's like yeah they do cringy things all the time so <laughs> I don't remember. Um, They also go to this, like, class party that they're all having after the funeral. And then, uh, just as Dylan and Mara are kissing, somebody else explodes. Yeah. And it's just really... And then, as more explosions happen, they memorialize people less and less because, you know, it's one thing when, like, one person dies. But when it's just more and more people, you unfortunately start to forget people. And I think that's kind of the point that we'll get to more towards the end. Yeah. Because Mara, like, still talks about people, but it gets less and less details um, as it goes on. And there's a... So, basically, they cancel classes because they're like, something is going on. So, we're canceling classes... And there's an FBI agent that shows up with a team, and who's played by uh, Yvonne Orji, or Orji, I don't know, um, uh, doctor, uh, doctor, Agent Rossetti, and um, that actress has been in Insecure, Night School, and she was in a couple episodes of Jane the Virgin. Yes, she was. So yeah, so she yeah. she asks is essentially and like Mara, she's like, hey, can you help me with this? Can you girls? And she asks Tess too. She's like, will you help me with this? So Mara goes to the Dalton twins to buy drugs, and she's like, hey, the government's reimbursing me. I want everything. And so on the way, because they're like, maybe it's drugs. Maybe maybe that makes sense because they don't know. Yeah, they don't know exactly what the fuck is going on. Like they're asking the kids all these personal questions because they're just trying to get. They're trying to latch onto some idea of what this could what could be happening so she goes with them and i love there's one kid that's like crazy conspiracy theorist but he's like i always knew i was right and then there's this one person named becky um who's played by 
Um, Marlo Percival, who identifies as he, him, but I think the character of Becky is either supposed to be non-binary or a uh, female, but they, I checked their Instagram because I just want to be respectful. Um, but I love Becky cause Becky's like super hostile. Yeah. And I, and I love it. And I love, Becky's um, one of my favorite parts. I think my favorite character, and I, I didn't want to get his name wrong. I think it's Cole. Is it Cole that's the kind of the kid that's like, Cole wants to talk to his lawyer. Did I imagine that? Yeah, that's a, that's a conspiracy theorist. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Where he's like, he's like super like, ho- he's like not hostile like Becky is. Becky's just like angry. And they're like, you seem hostile. And Becky's like, yeah, of course I'm fucking hostile. Like, what the fuck is wrong with you people? It's great. Yeah. But yeah, so they, I'm sorry, they, they asked Mara to go buy some drugs. Yeah. To, and they, they're like, it's anonymous. Just bring us the drugs. Like, we don't have to know who your source is. Yeah, exactly. And so they're on the way to go get them. And, like, it Joe explodes. And it's like, it happens. Oh, it's awful. It happens they're driving. so quick. And it happens right in front of his twin sister's eyes. So they are struggling to get control of the car because he was driving the car. And then Jenna just explodes. And then the car wrecks, of course, because mm-hmm. Mara's in the back seat. Um, and it's just an awful, yeah. awful thing. And, you know, because earlier in the movie, Mara kind of admits, she's like, I wish I could see Caitlyn explode. And then in the aftermath, she's talking to Dylan. Yeah. And Dylan was like, what, is it, what was it like? And she's like, it was fucking awful. Like, she essentially got what she yeah. wanted. And she realized as soon as she did, she didn't want it anymore. It's really sad because, like, Mara's, like, not hurt really badly from the wreck. But she's emotionally really upset. And Dylan, like, I guess she had called Dylan or something. And he shows up, and um, she's, like, washing blood off herself in the creek nearby. And then all of a sudden, it gets all E.T., and all these people in hazmat suits come, and they they take all the seniors to, like, a hazmat facility. And that's when we get Becky and Cole, like, being all hostile. And they're, like, they're trying everything. They're, like, like, they're giving them pills. They're, uh asking them all these super personal questions because they're just trying to fix it and they're all basically like the boy in the plastic bubble and it's it's kind of sweet because like mara and dylan end up next to each other and they kind of scoot their beds together but they've got a little plastic sheet between each other and they start like just kind of pillow talking and it's sweet it's cute yeah it is it's really sweet and there's like this little music montage of like the kids trying to they basically, and I thought this was a really interesting part. So before this, like, a government agent shows them this, like, really fucking stupid animated short. And they're all like, we're thinking about you. Yeah. We're doing everything we can. And our thoughts and prayers are with you. And they're like, we don't want your fucking thoughts and prayers. Like, we want answers and we want yeah. help. And I was even thinking about that in the age of social media. It's very easy to go, oh, you know, you have my thoughts and prayers. And now it's said so much that it doesn't yeah. really have the same effect. Even though the idea behind it is nice. It doesn't really have the same effect. Yes. And, and Bojack Horseman even has right. an episode about that. But that's besides the point. So, but they do this musical montage. <laughs> and um, these poor fucking kids are just doing things like playing cards. And, like, one explodes. And then they're, like, sleeping at night. And one just explodes in their bed. And so I could imagine, yeah. even though it's funny, it's, it's, like, this really uplifting, like, bye-bye happiness song. It's, like... All these awful things happen to these poor kids. But they do start to patent what they call the snooze button. And it's supposed to es- mm-hmm. essentially snooze, like, the whatever it is that makes the kids explode. Um, so they right. do release the kids. Because they do the smart thing and they don't really totally explain it. Yeah. 
Which is always the smart thing in sci-fi, because I feel like when you over-explain it, unless you're like Michael Crichton and you actually understand the science behind it, um, it gets, like, really, like, stupid. So, I like that they, like, they're like, oh, we don't know exactly what happened, but this is what we think is going on. I appreciate the, the lightheartedness that they took, but I was like, yeah, that's kind of what really happens when there's a pandemic or something like this. Like, that's new, and you've never heard of it before. Yeah. Um, but our, our three main characters, Mara, Dylan, and Tess, all get released. Um, because they think, they think, oh, yep, y'all are cured, the snooze button's working, definitely, totally, guys. Yeah, because it's uh-huh, been, wink, wink. it's been a hot minute since anyone's exploded, which is another reason they let yeah. him go. Um, so they're released, and, um, Mara's parents obviously love her and miss her, so they decide to get her a CBD pin, which is, like, they're, they're trying to be the cool parents, because like, <laughs> we know you smoke pot, and they also get her a Christmas tree, because, understandably, the town's not very, really feeling festive, because so many of their senior class mm-hmm. is dying, so they're like, well, the town's not decorated, but here's a Christmas tree, and so Mara decides yeah. to give a gift, uh, air, air quotes to Gil- Dylan, and she uh, takes his virginity mm-hmm. because he mentions earlier in the movie he's a virgin. And afterwards, he tells her they're reopening the school. Um, so they do reopen the school, and they start to monitor the kids by doing things like taking their blood pressure. But Mara realizes again that because they're still there, they don't believe it's over. She's like, they know the snooze button isn't yeah. working. So... And also, the senior class is the only one allowed back in the school. Everyone else is, like, at the community center mm-hmm. because they're, like, maybe the school's what caused it because it's the one thing they all have in common is they all went to school together. And Mar and Dylan, like, you know, they get closer and closer. She does this really sweet thing where she, like, he said he used to dance alone in the barn at home. And so she gets a barn and she, like, puts 80s music on and Christmas lights for Valentine's Day and he says, like, he tells her that he loves her, and she's like, oh, fuck, oh, shit, oh, wait, t- tell me later, tell me later, okay? Like, I'm sorry, I wasn't prepared. Um, which is, like, you know, understandable, but he's obviously, he's come to terms with the inevitability of life ending much easier than she has. Yeah. And maybe it's because he experienced that with his dad. I don't know, but, like, she's more of, like, I do want to be with you, and I do want to be with you when we go to college, but she's still, like, not even ready to say I love you yeah. yet, because she's just not in that place yet. And she also, they're very much uh, different sides of the same coin, so she's deflecting everything with this dark humor, and he's, like, accepting of yeah. the situation, and it's, like, almost like, I hate to say it, but it's, like, because he knows there's a possibility he could die at any moment, he's, like, it's the weight's been lifted off his shoulders. Like, he's taking the money he was saving up, and he goes ahead and buys a car, which is an ice cream truck, because he's, like, I thought it was oh, yeah. money. Like, he buys, yeah. Yeah, and... Although they call it a milk fan on Wikipedia, and I was, like, I thought it was an ice cream truck. Uh, I really thought it was an ice cream truck. Oh, it's a milk I'm gonna truck? call it an ice cream truck, because... I don't know. Yeah. I, I thought it... I mean, they're both dairy products, so... Some kind of dairy van. That's true. It's a dairy van. It's a dairy van. That's what <laughs> it is. But he buys it because he's like, you know, I kept saving up for a nice car for college, but I realized I may die, so I just... I saw this at the car dealership, and it was funny. I thought other people would laugh. And it's like... This kid is so, like, cute, too. Like, the actor that plays him is cute. And then yeah. also, like, he's... He's such a good actor. Yeah, he's written so likable, too. Like, you could easily fall in love with this kid. But he's not, like, too perfect. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, but he also is emotionally very secure. 
and she's not. And that's not, like, she's not a bad person because she's not emotionally mature. She's just on a different path, and she hasn't, she hasn't dealt with the same stuff he has, so she's not there yet. And he's very understanding about it, and he's not, like, offended that she couldn't say I love you yet. Um, which is very mature of him, because it is very hard when you put yourself out there and the other person isn't ready yet. Even if they do love you, like, sometimes people just have a hard time saying it. But I think there are some people that save it for, like, very special occasions. And I think she's one of those people. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And I, and I, you, you, you can understand that type of character, because people, there are people really, really like that. I mean, I, I think I know a lot of people oh, yeah. who, that could be a Charlie or a Mara, depending <laughs> on the situation. Yeah. I probably have more friends that are Mara, I, to yeah. be honest, but there's nothing wrong with that either. Yeah. So. <laughs> the two of them and their parents and Tess, like, all, all the characters are good, but I think they're all very relatable, and I think that's why, like, it is more of a heartwarming story. Well, how about even, there's uh-huh. a scene where it's like, you, I wouldn't even think of, like, these this kind of repercussions, but it's like Trish and uh, Mara go to their usual diner, but no one will serve them, because they're afraid of them. Oh, yeah! Yeah. Because they're afraid that they're going to explode all over them. Yeah. And it's just so sad. Because I was like, and that's something like, I'm sure a lot of people have like had that happen where people are just like scared of them. Because what we've, I think it was a movie a couple weeks ago where we were talking about how like people unfortunately fear the unknown. Yeah. Even if they don't mean it in a hateful way. Um, I would, I mean, I would be nervous that someone would explode in front of me. But also like, I feel like I would risk it because if that person could die at any second and there's no danger of me catching whatever they have then why would I be rude to that person you know like I wouldn't want to be that person but maybe maybe they're not sure if they're going to catch it or not yeah you know that's the other thing exactly because right now it's just to the senior class but they don't know like the long-term repercussions like could it expand from kids outside the senior class um yeah but you know the doctor visits the school again, and she explains how yeah. Snoop Button works. And so she asks for a volunteer. Uh, Steve, one of their classmates, comes to the front of the class, and he's doing her oh, prompts. And then suddenly, Steve. I don't know where he explodes. And when that happens, it sets off like a chain of kids exploding, and it's just and just chaos. people just start exploding. Yeah, and it's 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 actually a really interesting scene too because like they go down one hallway and someone explodes. They go to another hallway and like somebody goes to open the door and they explode, and it's done really well. Um, and like it's very scary. And Tess gets separated from Dylan and Mara, and then Mara gets separated from Dylan and Cole. The guy oh. who's been wearing, like, hockey armor is like, him. come this way, it's faster. And then he explodes inside of his armor and then falls, and you're like, oh, no. I, I love him. It made me and so then, sad. I have to say this real quick. Cole, it was very sad. Cole reminds me of my nephew a lot, so I was like, no, <laughs> not Cole. Because, yes, yeah, like Katie said, it's because when they explode, there's nothing left of them, but they're closed. So, like, all of his little armor he's yeah. wearing just falls straight over. And I'm like fucking damn it but yeah it uh yeah it's it's bad and then like mar and dylan finally find each other i was i was afraid of for tess because it's like they're gonna kill the best friend off that's what they're gonna yeah. do that's what's gonna happen next but actually i think this movie made a very smart choice because mar and dylan find each other and they reunite and dylan like declares his love and it's like i'm so glad it wasn't you and then you just see red and the next shot is Mara walking through the street covered in blood and bleeding from her own forehead. And she's just like, 
yeah, Dylan's jawbone hit my forehead. And she's just completely shell-shocked and just... Like, it's very... She dresses like Carrie for Halloween earlier in the movie. And this is very reminiscent of Carrie. Because she's just covered in blood and just eyes wide walking through the street. And she's kind of like... She goes to the doctor and then gets her head bandaged. But then she's just like in the shower crying. And that... This part did get me... I don't know what it is about a shower. You just want to like wash the pain away. Yeah, and she's not... In hers, it was much more practical. And she's not even crying in the shower. Because that's why her mom comes in there. Because she's fully clothed. Not just... Not even blinking. In the shower. And yeah. you overhear her saying all I remember. She's like, I didn't remember any of it. Which is why I loved. Because as soon as Dylan's like, I'm so glad you're okay. And that screen went to red. We knew as the audience what yeah. happened in that moment. But it was so smart mm-hmm. because they were. it. When people have such traumatic events. They usually do black it out. So it makes complete sense that Mara yeah. doesn't remember anything. And she doesn't feel anything. But she remembers wanting to die. Yeah. And I think about yeah. how how like how they managed to capture that feeling so fucking well in like a one minute scene. The grieving process sucks ass. Yeah. And I was just, I don't enjoy watching other people go through something that I watched someone go through less than two years ago. So maybe that's why I didn't really like this movie very much. Because I was like, I like that they chose this, but it probably wasn't the best movie for me personally. Because it was hitting a lot of very painful chords. Um, But she she doesn't deal with her trauma very healthily. Because she immediately just starts drinking. But she also, like, reads comments online that are all, you know, because people are just like, why are we all exploding Maybe it's Mara's fault because she was present for every single explosion, including Dylan's. Yeah. And so she starts blaming herself I and do. drinks super heavily and just goes and steals alcohol yeah. when she can't find it at home. Oh, I, it's I, really sad. This is just a fun fact for our, our uh, podcast listeners, too. So there's a, there's a trait of Mara's that when she goes, uh, when she's upset, she goes under her bed. Like when she wants to sleep off, like the pain she's feeling, she's under the bed. Or when she's reading these like Reddit types websites, she's under the bed. And that was taken from, uh, the director's dog, which I thought was really funny because he has a Jack Russell mix. I'm like, oh, like Mabel. And he said a lot of Mara's character ended, a lot of Mara's character uh, in the screenplay was inspired by his dog. And I thought that was actually really cute. That's cute. Um, That's that cute. is really cute. Yeah. But yeah, exactly like Katie said, she doesn't handle this well after everything. So it's like she, she, there's like this scene where it's like she's come to terms basically where she thinks that it was maybe her that was the cause of it all. Um, and she does yeah. decide to go to prom, and while on the swing, um, she's swinging outside the school, and Trish does uh, send her a beach house listing. Tess. Tess. I'm sorry. I know. I know. I meant Tess. Yeah. But Tess sends her a beach house listing, and <laughs> she tells Mara, she's like, I'm leaving tonight. And there's a scene at the beginning of the movie when they're little girls that they saw these two old ladies smoking yeah. hookah on the beach, and that's like their dream was that they were always going to live on the beach in a beach house together. And yeah. so she... She's like, you know, um, she goes inside and she realizes it's not only prom, it's prom and graduation, which I thought was funny because most high school movies usually revolve around prom or graduation. So I thought it was kind of cute that it's like merged. But hey, if they made it this far without exploding, I think they're all just like, 
hey, let's just get, like, let's do it for them. Which, I, you know, I was like, that's probably a prudent situation. I will say, like, there is one teacher, and I did not write the actor's name down, because he's not a huge part, but he does, like, he seems to genuinely care about the kids and be there, as does the, the FBI agent. They seem to actually care about the students. Um, so I thought it was nice that they had supportive adults in this movie. Yeah. Which isn't always the case in these kinds of films. Like, a lot of times the parents are, like, comic relief or just kind of stupid. And it's like, no, these people, like, actually have supportive parents and, you know, adults. But they're going through something that no one's gone through before. And it's just, like, unimaginable. Um, But I love it because she just goes... So when she goes up to get her diploma... Mara's, like, she basically, like, grabs the mic and is like, I'm sorry, y'all. It's my fault. Obviously, I've done something terrible, and it's, I'm the reason why everyone's exploding, and I'm so sorry. And then she literally, like, steals the mic back to mic drop. And I was like, yep, because that's what you do. Um, But then everybody starts thinking, like, starts saying out loud, like, no, I think I'm the cause. No, I'm the cause. It was a very much, like, I'm Spartacus moment, because it's obvious that everyone's been trying to find a reason why this is happening and they've been blaming themselves because they can't find a tangible reason um and it's like she's starting to be like oh everyone thinks they're the problem so maybe i'm not the problem and um it's a their next scene is very sweet yeah because i'll let you talk about it more but i just love that like she goes to dylan's grave which um it has the last um what, I think it says, it has the phrase from E.T. I'll be right here. Before. I'll be right here. And on his gravestone, which I was like, that's cute. Um, but she goes to his grave and just kind of lays down depressed. And his mom just kind of like, I guess they were looking for her. And his mom was like, oh, I know where she'll be. And they have this really sweet heart to heart. And this part was very sweet. This is probably like one of my favorite parts. Yeah, this is the part. The this movie. is the part I actually sweet. cried at. This is. Oh, yeah. That's what I was like. Yeah. It's got to be that part because it was very sweet. Yeah, it is. So because she tells Dylan, she's like, I love you, too. Like she tells the headstone that and she realizes it's like it's too late for her to actually say it to him. But she did yeah. love him. And so Dylan. I thought Dylan's, knew. Dylan's mom, I love her character. Even though we don't really get to know her very well outside the scene, it's like she's like the perfect like maternal figure because she sees Mara laying down on the ground and without hesitation she just lays down on the ground next to her and just like looks at her in the face and has this very calming voice and, you know, um, she tells her, you know, she's like, yeah, he designed the headstone. And she's like, did you not think that... you?" You know, did he tell you how we met? I was sick on shrooms and he held my hair. She's like, yeah, he told me. She's like, did you think I was bad news bear? And she's like, no, I, I think you were sad. And it's like everything that yeah. could signify Mara as a t- troubled teenager, his mom knew the root of it, which is was she was sad about what happened and she didn't know how to handle her sadness. And um, so she tells uh, Dylan's mom, she's like, I wish I would die. And Dylan's mom says this very poignant yeah. thing. She's like, well, that's just life sometimes. And she's like, did you ever hear about the sinkhole in Florida? And she tells her the story about how this sinkhole opened up and this man 
fell into it and he you know his brother couldn't get him out and she's like and he didn't deserve that she's like none of you guys deserve what's happening to you but the serve yeah. has nothing to do with it and i thought that was like i think that's what kind of i was already tearing up but that was like the thing that like pushed me over the edge because i'm like yeah the serve has nothing yeah. to do with it bad things happen to good people all the time and I know everyone's gone through a really shitty couple of years, but like I like personally lately, I've been feeling really down on myself and being like very much like I I don't understand what I've done to put myself in such a precarious position in my life, and that did kind of hit home with me because I was like, you know what, bad things happen to good people, and it's not fair, and you don't have to pretend that it's okay. But also, like, you can't just, like, stand still and let life pass you by either. And so I thought it was a very nice message. And I thought this actress was really good. And again, she only had, like, um, like one real scene. Because you don't really meet her before that. No. At all, I don't think. But I think she did a really good job with a really difficult monologue. Yeah, exactly. You know? And I think even the end of this, of this scene just kind of broke my heart a little bit because I do, what I love about this movie is that there are some parts where you're like, okay, an adult wrote this, but Brian Duffield was also very much like, if I had a line of dialogue and a kid read it, one of the actors read it, they were like, no, this is this is not something a teenager would say. They would change it. And I, I liked that how yeah. he worked with the younger actors because of that. But I felt like this was something that would be a teenager. So Mara... Asked this Dylan's mom, she's like, are you okay? And Dylan's mom just <sighs> shakes her head no. Like, it's, because yeah. she's not okay. But because she's a mother, she doesn't make it about herself. Because yeah. she cares about Mara. She's worried about Mara, even though, like, what's happening to herself. And I thought, and Mara doesn't know what to say, because she's just a kid. But she just touches her shoulder and, like, kind of, like, pats her. And, like, they're there for each other. They don't really know what to say to make it better for each other, but they're still there for each other. And I love that scene. It's probably my yeah. favorite scene in the whole movie, so. Yeah, that was probably the best part. I will say this actress, by the way, her name is Sheila? Sheila? C-H-E-L-A-H? Maybe it's Sheila. Horstall? Horstall? And she's, she's been in a lot of, like, made-for-TV movies, it looks like. Like, Hallmarky movies. But she was also on Hell on Wheels, uh, when Calls the Heart, which I think is a little bit of a Hallmark show, but still. And she's currently on Firefly Lane. Oh, and The Man in the High Castle. So I just want to shout her out because she doesn't have a big part, but I think it's, I think it really brings home the message of the show. And I was like, oh, this was, this was lovely. Thank you for that scene. It was very touching. Yeah. And honestly, so Mara like goes home and like apologizes to her parents and sobers up and she just starts kind of talking about how, like, so they reformulated this news pill again, and they're telling us that we're cured as long as we take it, but maybe they're just trying to sell us pills for the rest of our life. I don't know. Um, but she kind of, like, starts embracing life again, and she decides, you know, with everybody's blessing, to drive Dylan's dairy van to the beach house to be with Tess and to enjoy life. It's, I mean, it's, it's, she, and she kind of, like, talks about how, like, most disasters like this kind of devolve. She's like, it was very anticlimactic, but it happened. Yeah. 
And, you know, I think we're all cured, but are we? Who knows? And she just has, okay, this is, did you like this ending or not? Because I liked the monologue she said, but there was a lot of visuals that were very odd. So I I actually, I thought the monologue was a little bit too on the nose. Like, I didn't think the whole monologue was bad, yeah. but I thought it was a little too on the nose. And some of the visuals, like, I, I think they were done for comedic relief, but I, I didn't like them yeah. as much. Like, because, of course, like, the monkey on the typewriter references their conversation in the cafe. But then there's, like, a dinosaur yeah. that the, the meteor hits the earth. It's like, oh, that shit. That talks? Yeah. Oh, shit. Or, oh, fuck. Yeah. yeah. But I... Yeah, I was like, oh, okay. I did, I did, I'll tell you my, my, and this actually goes along with some trivia for this movie. So I have a friend who's a big Sufjan Stevens fan, and the movie ends with the song oh, yeah. The Fourth of July. So good. Yeah, and the the re, repeating phrases, we're all gonna die, um, which I, I thought that was the perfect ending song for the movie. I, I love, I actually loved a lot of the musical choices for this movie, but I thought that was the perfect song to end this movie with. Because the album that the 4th of July is on is Carrie and Lowell, which actually was inspired by uh, Stephen's mom passing away. Stephon Stephen's mom passing away. That's what the whole album was inspired by. So, I mean, I Aww. felt like there was a lot of homework that went into this. And I did, I did like the ending. I, like I said, I just thought the monologue was a little bit too on the nose. But I did, I did ultimately like the movie's ending. Yes, it was like a little bit on the nose, but like at least it like was a positive ending. Yeah, I guess. And she was so depressed. Oh, we forgot to mention at some point she's drunk and runs into the, a- oh, the yeah. FBI agent and throws a whiskey <laughs> bottle, like, tossing it to her and accidentally breaks her window. And they're like, but yeah, the ending, there's all these, like, weird cartoons going on and she just keeps kind of repeating the message. But you know what? It's fine. Like, it's cute. It's an interesting movie. I think, like, again, this is definitely one of one of the best teen dramedies I've seen in a very long time. And I will say, like, you know, there's, like, movies like the, which I haven't watched all of these. Because, again, like, I don't like, like, dying kids movies yeah. because I lived it. And it just, I I just feel like as well-intentioned as it is, I just feel like it's, I feel like it's cheap to make a drama and make a bunch of Hollywood money off, like, somebody dying of cancer or um, cystic fibrosis. And there's been all these movies, like, before before the pandemic, where they were like, you know, these two kids have cystic fibrosis, but they've fallen in love. These two kids have terminal cancer, but they've fallen in love. And this movie did not seem, like, because, one, it was a made-up disease. And, two, they weren't, like, overly dramatizing everything it seemed way more realistic because the characters themselves were comedians like they joked around like you do in a relationship like i don't know maybe just the relationships i'm in i'm into humor so like that's the kind of relationship i generally like and like so i feel like it made it more like lighthearted and realistic even though it was dealing with traumatic stuff it didn't seem like they were using trauma to sell tickets, if that makes sense, yeah. which is what I appreciated. Because generally, I see a sick kid movie, and I'm like, "Yep, you are exploiting people's pain. I do not like you." I mean, maybe I'm sure like some of them come from real experiences, but it's the Hollywood treatment of it that always kind of rubs me the wrong way. But this movie was like, I think it helps that it wasn't a real disease too, because I don't feel like they were 
using anybody's personal pain. It was more like, this is a metaphor for anyone going through this kind of life event. And then we all went through a pandemic. So (laughs) who knew? Exactly. Right? I don't know. Exactly. (laughs) Um, Was there anything like, what was your your favorite parts of the movie? Like your pros and your cons Um, of the movie? I don't have like any like con cons really. Um, Like I said, like I said, the monologue to me was a little on the nose. I mean, it's not, so here's the thing. Um, It's not a perfect movie by any means, but honestly, the movies that usually make me feel the most that I really, really like are not perfect movies. And that's where, when we get into this idea of film criticism, I, I feel like maybe a lot of people have the same opinions about certain movies, but you could also have a movie that may be a decent movie and someone else may really hate it or really like it and for me I probably really liked this movie because I just felt something when I watched it um so there wasn't anything that was just like glaringly bad to me like I guess that's what I'm trying to say I'm not saying this is a perfect film this isn't like Casablanca I was gonna say but (laughs) there was some tv show oh I know what it was Schitt's Creek Mm -hmm. made me ball my fucking eyes out because um spoilers for Shit's Creek but it's not really that much of a spoiler um in the last season Alexis and Ted have this like beautiful breakup where like they still love each other they still care about each other but their lives are just taking them in different directions and they're just both like like Alexis like I'm proud of who we've become and I'm proud that I was a part of who you've become and you were a part of who I've become and they kind of just have to go their separate ways. But it's like, I just bawled my eyes out at that scene. So I think this movie was kind of that for you. It just hits you in the feels in the right spot. Um, it didn't hit me in the feels, but I did like it. Like, I don't know why it didn't hit me in the feels, but I did like it a lot. And I do think if you're going to watch a teen, like, dramedy, like, this kind of movie, this is definitely the one to watch personally in my opinion i like that it's unique and i like that they did make a better choice to kill the boyfriend and not the best okay, friend funny. which i think a lot of movies would be scared i wanted to go ahead and say this so funny enough it's implied in the original novel that tess dies too but dylan dies in the novel as well but then it's heavily implied that tess dies okay. too so that's what i like that they made the which, decision not to kill her as well i feel like it would have made more sense that she was so depressed if tess died but then also like i liked the little happy ending like i'm sorry i liked it but like she still like had a falling out with tess because tess was still trying to like live get through life and she just wanted to be sad all the time um so like they still had stuff um i also i think the explosion scenes were pretty good actually like they were they were pretty like good for this kind of like movie there is another budget. there is another scene i didn't like in this movie and it wasn't a very long scene but i felt it was kind of unnecessary so for some reason um uh-huh. during mara's like uh downward spiral they have her run with the covid curse sign like slow motion oh yeah that was weird i thought that was a really weird choice and i didn't really like really that because i felt like it seemed something very basic in a movie that made a lot of really interesting cool choices so i didn't really like that scene yeah that's very that's a very small nitpick i think so it was very weird yeah i just like it is it definitely isn't a horror film i wouldn't say it's more of a Mm sci-fi rom-com thriller 
Um, although it does have a lot of nods to horror films. Um, I, I do think it's cute, but again, like, I didn't want to watch it a second time. Usually I do, but I honestly, like, was like, I got it. Yeah. Like, it's simplistic. But it's not, it's not simplistic, it's simple. But, like, in, a, in an okay, like, it's not, like, in a, like, it's so simple I was bored. I was just like, I get it. I like the message. It was cute. Um, and, like, I feel like, if you love, like, teen rom-coms or just rom-coms, you'll probably, like, really like this movie. I want to watch it a bunch of times. Yeah. Um, I just don't think I'm the – I don't think I'm the demographic. At least not at this point in my life. Maybe in, like, five years I'll watch this movie and just bawl my eyes out and be like, it's beautiful. I remember going through a pandemic because hopefully in five years we will no longer be in a pandemic if people get stupid vaccines. Anyways, I was going to say, all the kid actors were really oh, yeah. good. Like, no one was like, except for the, the cringy football players, which I think they were supposed to be yeah. cringy. Like, everyone did a good job and was a believable teen. And I will say the dialogue for the teenagers was surprisingly realistic. Yeah. Because usually that's the problem teen movies have is, like, the dialogue is, like, a 45-year-old man wrote this dialogue. Mm-hmm. No child talks like this. Exactly, yeah. And that's where it, it goes back to that he was a really, he was really great. I think he's in his 30s, uh, Brian Duffield is. But he was really great about listening to the younger people on the set going, yeah, kids would say this, or no, this is not right. You need to rewrite this or let us say this differently. I really appreciate that. And I think that's what made the movie more believable, too. Um, so, yeah, I I, mm-hmm. I liked it. I, I uh I, I really liked it. I hope this movie becomes a cult film. I do. Not in ter- not cult film like the way we would think about like Cabin in the Woods being a cult film, but more like how we had headers, like maybe maybe one day we'll see spontaneous the yeah. musical. Who knows? So <laughs> Yeah, please no, because Heather's the musical wasn't that good. <laughs> like, ooh. Candy Shop's a cute song, but ooh, sometimes they're stretching those TV musicals, and you're just like, you know, sometimes it doesn't need to be a musical, you guys. Sometimes. Um, did you have an out of ten rating? I did, I did, and I did score a little bit higher. But keep in mind, this is not me. Uh, this is not me writing. Uh, for RogerEbert.com, this is Brittany. Um, I gave it an eight out of ten. Oh wow. Yeah. I um, I gave it a six out of ten. It's cute. I don't know. Like I said, maybe in five years it'll hit me in the right feels. Yeah, and I'll like it more. Did you have a Grindhouse Girls rating? I, I did. Neither of them were like phenomenal, but I had two. Um, the first was uh, B for bombs and balloons because when uh, Caitlin explodes at the beginning of the movie, uh, Tess asks Mara, she's like, "Was it like a bomb?" And Caitlin goes, "Or no, um, Mar." Tess asked, was it like a bomb? And Mara goes, no, it was more like a balloon. Uh, so I put B for bombs and balloons. And then T for today and tonight, which is was inspired by the quote, today was weird, but tonight was all right. Yeah. yeah. That's cute. Mm-hmm. I did rated D for demolitions and dick pics. And um, my other one was rated N for not another teen spontaneous combustion. <laughs> I like rated N. But with that being said, it's actually your turn. It's your turn to pick the movie for next week. It is my yes. turn. It is definitely my turn. So, okay. So, here's the thing. Last week, uh, we talked about what movie to do next. And both Britt and I had the new film, Malignant, on our list. And so, we were like, well, it would probably be better to do, like, the more spooky, scary movie at the end of September leading into Spooptober. Um, so we were like, okay, let's do Spontaneous first 
And I was like, and so I'll pick Malignant next week because we both were like, oh, this looks interesting. Because the trailer is very interesting visually. So it got released on HBO Max and in theaters this week. And as we're recording this. And all I have not spoiled it for myself at all. But all all of the reviews I have got, I've seen, like, the headlines have said, like, I don't know what the fuck I just watched, but I enjoyed it. Or, this is so crazy, but I laughed the entire time. Or, oh my god, this movie's fucking crazy. So it sounds very entertaining, even if it's terrible. Um, I love Red Letter Media. And I did not watch their whole review, but Mike Stuklasa quoted... This movie is a movie with a story so stupid, weird, and confusing that even David Lynch understood it. Um, which I love David Lynch, but he is very roundabout and symbolic. So I'm uh, kind of excited to do like a divisive crazy movie, right? right. I don't know. And Britt, do you want to say that you've seen it already? Yeah. Because I almost watched it yeah, before, I, by the I, way. But then I was like, no, I'll save it. I did watch it. It is... Oh my god. Um it it is fucking bonkers. <laughs> it is bonkers. And there's a twist. Um I actually guessed a lot of the movie, which actually irritates my brother and my husband when I do this. I guessed a lot of the movie, but there was one oh, yeah, thing I too. didn't guess, and it's probably the twist that people are gonna be talking about for a while when they watch this movie. Um and it's fucking nuts, Ooh. but it's fun. It's fun. So Yay! I will say that. That's like I'm like if it's amazingly brilliant and we can analyze the shit out of it, I'm here for it. If it's fucking crazy batshit and I can't tell if it's brilliant or stupid, I'm here for it. So I'm excited. So then that'll be the movie next week. And then we get to do Spooptober. So we are supposed to have a special guest for the beginning of Spooptober. Yes. Not going to jinx it, but we're going to have like a special guest and we're going to do something that we've never done before. And we're very excited about um so stay tuned for that guys i can't wait and i guess with that unless you have anything else to add we should start saying good night yes we i i i think that sums up everything um as always guys uh thanks again for spending some small part of your day with us whether you're doing some chores around the house maybe you're i don't know if anyone will listen to us while doing yoga but if you do um nice downward yeah. facing dog position you're doing right there um <laughs> it's just gonna be really fucking creepy if someone's actually doing that listening to us at this point anyways um but oh thank god, you scare the shit out scare, of just scare the shit out of them. <laughs> um I'd be like, oh, God, they're, they're here. They're, they're everywhere. everywhere. <laughs> they're everywhere. Um, but, you know, um, if you're at the end of the day, congratulations. You made it for the day. If you're just starting your you day, did. I hope it's a great one. Uh, thanks again for all the likes, comments, um, subscribing. We appreciate every single one of you. We're a small podcast. Uh, we're still finding our footing. We've been doing this for a little over a year now, and we learn stuff every week. Um, every week is trial and error, uh, and we're just excited that you're on this journey with us. Um, and as always yes. um i'm gonna let katie say what she wants to say but we do look forward to seeing you um same time same spooky channel and katie you got anything to add to that oh yeah i just want to say thank you take your uh vitamins um get a vaccine wear a mask um be careful i mean the thing is like right now it is important to not let fear hold us back from living life but also do it carefully and safely like if you if you want to go to a party 
uh, make sure everyone there is vaccinated or like if not just wear a mask like it's all good it's it, I'm, I'm back to wearing my mask at a lot of places and it's fine I've gotten cuter masks as time has gone by by the way Etsy has some really cute midsummer masks they actually have one that's the pattern of the um the uh what should I call it the tapestry at the beginning and I'm like so close to buying it um so I could just complete my midsummer ensemble um, not planning on burning anyone alive, though, guys. So all good. Just I thought that was cool. Um, but just just be careful. Take care of one another. Be kind. Rewind. Um, and <laughs> make sure you guys keep watching some movies. Thanks for interacting. Our friend Dalton actually messaged me asking me if I had seen that yet. And they they have kind of said what you said, Britt. So uh, I'm I'm excited. Thank you for the interaction. We love meeting new people. We love meeting new friends. And we're just happy you guys are here with us. Thank you for everything you do for us. And we hope that we can bring you guys just a little bit of joy in your day. Or frustration if you disagree with our movie stuff. Our movie opinions. That's fine. Y'all y'all tell us. We're good. We're good. We don't care. It's all good. <laughs> but yeah, so... I guess with that, we are definitely going to say good night or good day or good morning, whatever it is. Just be safe out there, and we love you guys. Thank you. Thank you for being here. Yeah, we love you guys, and as always, thank you so much again. We love you guys, love you guys. and stay spooky, stay y'all. Stay y'all. Have a good night, everybody. Good night, Bye, Brett. Katie. Good night, puppies and night. kitties, even though I can't see thank you tonight. You <laughs> Bye, everybody. Bye. The Grindhouse Girls podcast is a production by katie dale and Brittany ray and edited by katie dale all music used is royalty free and will be in our annotations if you have any questions comments suggestions please contact us at contact us at grindhousegirlspod.com or visit our website at grindhousegirlspod.com thanks for listening we'll see you soon